Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Sunday Take for February 11th, 2023. I'm your host, Blois Olson. The legislature starts tomorrow, and it's a crapshoot on whether they'll get a lot done or a little done. Bonding will be the big issue, but we will talk this week on Sunday Take with the Senate leaders. Senator Mark Johnson, the Republican leader, and Senator Aaron Murphy, who was elected by her colleagues to be the majority leader after last week's sad news that Senator Carrie Dietick was stepping down because of a recurrence in her cancer. The, as the session gets going, we'll obviously cover it here on Sunday Take. And so I always want to hear what you think, and your thoughts. Feel free to email me, bloysolson at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter. But really, you know, this session is an interesting one. And I think the place to watch will be the Senate. Because with the one-seat majority and a likely special election in a year, there's going to be multifaceted tensions on key issues and key personalities. We'll talk to both Senator Mark Johnson and Senator Aaron Murphy about those next on Sunday Take here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. My first guest this week on Sunday Take is Senate Minority Leader Mark Johnson. He's from Northwestern Minnesota. He's been in that role for, I guess, a year or so, and uh, he joins me now on Sunday Take. Thanks for joining me, Leader Johnson. Hey, great to be here, boys. Thank you for having me on the show. Session starts tomorrow. Uh, Are you rested, ready, and what are your priorities? I mean, if you would have asked me a month ago, the rested part probably wouldn't have been true. But, uh, you know, now everybody's starting to get excited again. The blood's starting to flow uh, after last session, you know, it was a tough, a tough recovery. But uh, I think our team is ready to go. The staff is definitely there. Members are coming back. Uh, so it's exciting to be there. Uh, you know, some of the priorities that we're looking at, you know, is is basically we need to start repairing some of the damage that was done last year and, you know, that was uh, it was a tough year on Minnesota. Uh, you know, we got some things done that, that we can agree with, but by and far, uh, you know, we had an extreme policy on taxes, on social issues, on regulation. Uh, now it's time to start repairing that. But in all sincerity, Democrats still have the majority. They still have the House. They still have the governor's office. How much repair can be done? Have you talked to DFLers about any changes that could be made or tweaks? Well, look at the budget. I mean, look at the budget forecast. They they say that there's a surplus of $800 million or something like that. But that's just what's in the bank account. Our expenditures are way over the revenues. And so if we don't make an adjustment really soon, we're going to have a big issue in Minnesota. And that's going to hurt our communities, our schools, our families across the state. And so if they're not willing to take that bull by the horn and work with us on that, uh, that's going to be devastating for the state. It is the nature of the legislature that they don't necessarily face issues until they're at the last moment or the have to fix moment. There's going to be a February Such a 4th. pessimistic look, Blois. You know, we got to look more optimistic. Well, you know, Senator, I've been around the block a few times here, and I I like to know history and trends. And, and, and if there's a different way that this session goes down, I'll, I'll be happy to show it. But We'll get a February forecast. We'll get some other stuff. Are there specific places where you think you can point to and say, hey, let's make a tweak there now or let's change this for, you know, businesses now so that we don't get into trouble in a year or two? Yeah, I I think a great place to start uh, to see what that bipartisan relationship is going to look like this year will be the SRO bill. Uh, you know, with the school resource officers, it was a big issue with our schools and with law enforcement going into the school session. And so there's clearly a path for taking uh, bits of advice that that Senator Duckworth and others have been working on and working with uh, the Democrat authors on there, too, and getting a path that, you know, Republicans, Democrats, law enforcement, educators can really move forward on. Uh, so I hope you know, that would be something that can get done in a bipartisan manner. And that will really set the table for what happens this session. On the SRO bill, it is one of the things that um, I feel like people throughout Minnesota can relate to. Um, It got a lot of hype. I will say that 
I felt like it would never end in covering it post-session. Uh, it went on for weeks and weeks. What kind of work has been done? And and I think this is part of the process that Minnesotans don't necessarily see, like behind the scenes, uh, how has it gotten done? And are there are there pieces that still need to get worked out? Or do you feel as though it's in pretty good shape to move pretty quickly? Well, here's the thing that Minnesotans expect. They expect Republicans and Democrats to be working together, listening to constituents, listening to those that are interested in what's going on and, and doing that in a very transparent manner. And so what we saw last year in the legislative session in, in 23 was Democrats getting together behind closed doors where other legislators like myself weren't participating, weren't able to be part of those conversations, representing nearly half of the state uh, as our caucus does and locking it away. And that's where a lot of the consternation came from. So, you know, I, I hope that we're part of that conversation this time around. I want to see more bipartisanship. And now that uh, Democrats have spent all the money, uh, and then we've also got a little bit of, of different dynamics within the caucus itself and the Senate Democrats, I'm hoping that we'll be more uh, at the table in a bipartisan manner, not asking to, to strong arm them. We know that we're our position, but at the same time, uh, I'm hoping that we can be uh, more player, a bigger player in that room. You make a good point. My guest is uh, Senate Minority Leader Mark Johnson. We're talking about the session, which starts tomorrow in the legislature. Um, you make a big, good point about the change in the in the caucus. There's a one seat majority in the Senate for Democrats. Uh, obviously, they unfortunately, sadly, Carrie Dietzik stepped down because of a recurrence of her cancer. They elected uh, Senator Aaron Murphy as their leader. I'll talk to Senator Murphy next. And, you know, one of the things is you talk about maybe a little different style, a little different issues. Have you talked to Senator Murphy? Do you know her? Have you worked on any issues together? Yeah. So uh, first of all, I just want to, you know, talk a little bit about uh, Senator Dietzik. Leader Dietzik was, uh, we had our differences last year, but it was always a very genuine and open conversation that we had in the in the background and on the floor. And I just, you know, Think of her and pray for her each day as she's going through her medical struggles and and I just pray for the best uh, for Carrie and, and what a great year that she had. Uh, so now with Senator Murphy being elected to that position, we've always had a very fun, cordial relationship on the floor and, and in the hallways. So I'm very optimistic that we can work together on issues that we have. Uh, of course, we're going to take different approaches to those. But as long as it's a, a very respectful and, and bipartisan conversation, uh, I am I'm happy to see her in that position and look forward to working with her. As you think about those dynamics, the some of the more public disputes within uh, the D DFL Senate caucus, um, do you feel like there's any issues that you've talked to Democrats about that you think can come together? And obviously the big one's going to be bonding. Um, so if there's not another issue, how do you plan to approach bonding? Obviously, Democrats are going to want Republican votes on that. Um, Senator Murphy is going to get the same question. She's likely to say something of she's been through the bonding process before. Uh, she's going to trust Senator Pappas, but that she wants to get Republican votes. How do they get Republican votes on bonding since that's the big issue of the entire session? Yeah, and Senate Republicans are very interested in investing in Minnesota. And through uh, the bonding bill, that's our opportunity to do that for wastewater, for bridges, for roads, for the infrastructure that not only this generation, but generations to come will be using. 
really improving the state. And so we understand the value in that and want to see that happen. Uh, we, we will we will support it, but it's got to have some some parameters on it too. This has got to be a bill that's not just a bunch of pet projects. It can't be that sort of thing. It's got to be the bread and butter uh, that Minnesotans need. But also, there, there's a number of things that, that we're going to be looking for to this session, you know, making sure that that tax fix happens. There was a, a mistake in the tax bill that's going to cost, you know, uh, several hundred million dollars. So we got to make sure that we get that fixed. You know, that SRO issue has got to be part of it. Um, there's some other things that are lingering out there, too, that we'll have the discussion about. But, you know, if, if we can in kind of encapsulate some of these things together with that bonding bill and, and just uh, get that discussion going, I think it would be a very fruitful thing for the state and for the constituents that we represent. When you talk to people in greater Minnesota, what what do they want to see get done? What bonding projects are important to them? And when you talk to local city leaders, as you look at whether it's property taxes or some of the disparities in, in their ability to do big projects, where are there specific projects you think are important for this bonding bill to have? Or um, have you talked to the governor about kind of where his bonding bill landed versus where your priorities are? Yeah, it, it's funny, you know, in the governor's bonding bill, I think there was $40 million for local projects out of $956 million. So he didn't put a whole lot of emphasis on that, which is, I mean, it's it's great that he put his suggestion forward, but this bill, remember, has to originate within the House. And so the House will be able to uh, really draft up what that bill looks like. We'll have our input on it as well. And the governor will have a chance to either sign it or veto uh, that bill. So it really comes down to the legislature putting its fingerprint on what that looks like. You know, rural Minnesota, uh, it, it, it's a lot of uh, bread and butter. You know, talk about wastewater, talk about simple things like drinking water or roads and bridges. Then that that's a big deal to our communities. Uh, but we understand that you know, metro areas have similar uh, needs as well, too. So this has got to be a balanced bill. We're not looking for a, a rural only bill or a metro or a Democrat bill, Republican bill, but really a bill that we can both come together and, and pass that. I, I think that's what a bonding bill should be. Not that we only pass it by a vote or two, um, but that this is something that can be balanced that, that our caucuses can really get behind. One of the things that happens in non-budget years, more so than budget years, is there's issues. I call them shiny object issues. We in the media talk about them a lot. They get a lot of coverage. This year, they could be the Uber bill for Uber drivers. It could be sports betting. Um, you know, I think the SRO issue kind of fits that way because it gets talked about so much. Um, what other issues do you think will get your attention, your caucus's attention uh, this year, other than bonding and the SRO bill? Uh, so a number of, a number of things, uh, that are, they're looking at, you know, the doctor assisted suicide, that's one that's really come up in my inbox. I know other members inboxes too, of people reaching out about that. Uh, just yesterday, was it that, uh, Senator Fate had a, a, um, uh, press release or a press conference on sanctuary state legislation as well, which has, uh, got a number of, uh, individuals, both metro and rural, uh, pretty um, concerned about what is going to happen to the state. So there's a, a few of those issues that are really floating out there as well. What, when you hear that sanctuary state issue, 
pragmatically, practically, rather than politically, what does it say to you? What do you what do you think it means for the discussion in the state? So here's one thing that that you know, Minnesota, I, I am so proud to be from Minnesota. It, it's a, a fantastic state. It's one of those states where you used to be able to go around and say, you know, I'm from Minnesota and you'd have a little bit of pride. I think the last year uh, with the extreme uh, legislation that happened on social issues, on tax issues, on regulatory issues, all of a sudden it's not looking like the state that, that people really are proud to be from. And, and now we've spent so much money that we're in a place where our, our budgets are, are at capacity. Uh, we can't take on a whole lot for our schools or for our you know counties or our state. And now all of a sudden, uh, Senator Fate and others want to bring forward a bill that basically says, we're not going to work with our federal partners and we're going to have all these people coming in and all of a sudden, our systems are going to start breaking down. We don't have the money anymore. You remember, the Democrats spent $17.5 billion last year. They also raised taxes by $10 billion. And we're still almost broke. And so now we're going to start bringing all these people in. How are we going to take care of them and our, our folks here that are already here? And so I'm really concerned that the timing, that the, uh, I, I understand the sentiment behind this, and, and it's very nice. But we have to also look at the reality, and it just is not something that's going to work for Minnesota. Continuing to talk to Senate uh, Minority Leader Mark Johnson about the upcoming session, which starts tomorrow. Um, in the final uh, part here, just give me your sense of the issues you hear about out there regarding national politics, you know, the presidential race or just the mood of the country and what issues are important to people that maybe the session isn't going to do, isn't going to address. And I, and I say that because, you know, so often you and I are in a bubble or we hear about politics all the time, but I often remind people in groups I speak to that like 90% of Minnesotans are putting their kids in school, worried about sports, going to church, making sure they have a good job. They're streaming some, you know, reality TV show or watching sports on TV, they're not watching Fox or MSNBC. So what else are you hearing about, you know, when you go to the grocery store? Well, I think the big conversation today at the grocery store was whether T Swift was going to make it to the Super Bowl or not. Uh, but I think that's been settled. So what's your over under on that, Senator? <laughs> I'd like to know since sports betting is a topic and, and just for full disclosure, I am working on it. So I, I just I wanted to understand what you thought about the game later today and if T Swift <laughs> is going to make it. So, uh, so I think that the biggest winner of this whole uh, event uh, on today is going to be uh, Taylor Swift in the NFL. I don't, I don't know who's going to win today, but uh, uh, I'm sure the odds are, are 50, 50 on those teams right now. Cause they're both looking really hot. So we'll see. Uh, but uh, you want to talk about sports betting a little bit. That's, again, another one of those 50-50 issues. It's been seems like the pressure is being cranked up on it. And, uh, you know, folks are really throwing out some different ideas. Uh, Senator Klein and Senator Miller have kind of competing ideas of what that's going to look like. But you get the interests of the tracks and you get uh, charitable gaming and the, and the tribal interests in there as well as the state and it gets to be a very complex puzzle of getting the right alliance, but we're getting closer and closer uh, on that one. Sounds great. I know we'll talk throughout the session. I appreciate your time today on Sunday Take.
Yeah, thanks a lot, boys. When we come back, the new majority leader of Democrats in the Senate, Aaron Murphy, will join me on News Talk 830 WCCO. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. My final guest on Sunday Take this week is new Senate Majority Leader Aaron Murphy. I've known Senator Murphy for a couple decades, uh, and uh, I will just say that uh, we went to the same college, and so we have a shared experience there. But as you think about politics in Minnesota, as a former candidate for governor, uh, she's traveled the state, she knows the state, and she's she's been in and around politics for a long time. So those who follow politics may know her, but uh, I hope we can today talk about kind of her new role and, and what she takes from it. Senator Murphy, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, obviously, it's just tragic uh, that uh, Senator Dietzik has to step down. What's the what's the sense of the caucus right now? What's the mood of the caucus, especially as you you know have a slim majority at thirty four members? I um I appreciate that question, Blois. Uh It's just been a week uh, for both the members and the people who work here uh, in the Minnesota Senate to reconcile uh, the experience that we've had. Um, None of us anticipated uh, what we learned last Friday, and uh, Leader Dietzik is a treasured member of this caucus. She has been a remarkable leader for us, and she showed us that when we stick together and act together, we can do incredible things to improve the lives of Minnesotans. Um, And I think we are all coming to grips uh, with the, the change that is not of our making, um, and we understand that on Monday we come back to work uh, for Minnesotans and we're ready to do that work. Uh, but, you know, just from a very human point of view, um, people are are reeling a little bit um, in the knowledge and and we're holding each other together through that. Well, I do think it's important because, as you know, one of my pieces of advice that I give offline when people call and say, how does this work? What should I do? Whether you're running for governor or Congress of either party is just be yourself and be human. And so uh, that's what Sunday Take is about. This is not crossfire. This is about conversations of, of Minnesota. Um, how looking at the session, it starts tomorrow. Uh, what are the priorities of Senate DFLers? Obviously, last year was a big budget year. Bonding is front and center. What are the other kind of top issues you think the Senate's going to want to take action on? You know, we um, really had a tremendous experience together in 2023 and came in committed uh, to meet Minnesotans where they where they are uh, and to focus on an agenda that would improve their lives. And we did that. Uh, and we're going to come into the 24 session with that same ambition for them, uh, for Minnesotans. And central to that, of course, in this second year of the biennium is capital investment. We have a responsibility as policymakers to invest in our public infrastructure, our roads and bridges, our water infrastructure, our higher education institutions, and more. Senator Pappas and uh, the Capital Investment Committee have been all across the state uh, learning about the requests and needs of communities where people live 
and we'll take up that legislation uh, early and, and make sure that we're doing our best to pass um, and put into law uh, a bipartisan package that supports people across the state. You know, you're not new to the negotiations around bonding. Um, and I always say there's there's three bonding bills. There's the governors, the houses, and the senates. And you look to see who's in three out of three, who's in two out of three, and then, you know, what projects are there. But it it, it was notable that the governor didn't have as much money for infrastructure, uh, water, roads and bridges. Uh, and you raise that as a priority. Is that a place where quickly... Um, People either need to make their case or uh, you can start to, you know, maybe negotiate with the governor to say that that portion of the bonding bill needs to increase. I think that um, Representative Bully, Senator Sandy Pappas, their counterparts, um, Karen Housley, Dean Erdahl, each of each of these people will come with priorities uh, and the legislative process really is one of negotiation over time. Uh, so, you know, we have uh, a tradition, uh, and it was reinforced uh, uh, last session with uh, Speaker Hortman and Leader Dietzik to work closely with the administration. Uh, but that doesn't mean we uh, don't come to that table with varying perspectives, um, and we work our way through that. And I will look to Senator Pappas. Um, to lead us through that. She is very, very experienced on capital investment, and she has been leading this work and is fresh off the road and fresh out of conversation with Minnesotans, and uh, she will she will set the standard for us. Other than bonding, what issues do you think either need to get done or should get done this session? You know, we will see what emerges through that committee process, obviously, Blyce, um, and that's where the work really begins. Um, as we embark on the things that we want and need to pass this session for Minnesotans. Uh, obviously, there is uh, the issue of SROs that Senator Westland, Bonnie Westland, has been leading for us uh, with uh, Representative Cedric Frazier over in the House. Um, their work to clarify that, to make sure that our goal, that students are safe in our schools, uh, that uh, the people who work in our schools are safe and secure, um, and that there's clarity about uh, the training necessary to achieve that goal uh, is embedded in the work that they have done in these last number of months. And I anticipate that that will be uh, early work of this legislature and work that will earn and needs bipartisan support. When you um, when you think about the tone of politics today, SRO issue being one of those that, uh, frankly, I it it emerged it took weeks of time and energy of debate and discussion over the summer. Now we're back in it. Um, just from your style, I know it, but what do, what should Minnesotans know about your style, about an emotional issue like school resource officers? I am, uh, I am very clear eyed about um, the, the moment in which we're living, which is uh, a little more fractious and divided. Um, I think it is really important that Minnesotans have faith that we have them and what they need front and center in our work. And they know that we are here working and fighting for them and what they sent us to do. Uh, and the cynicism that comes from the way politics can be conducted 
serves at times to erode people's faith in what we are actually trying to accomplish with them. Uh, so I try uh, in my own way uh, to counter that cynicism um, by showing up to work uh, and delivering uh, on what I said I was going to come and do. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so proud of being a part of this caucus and a part of this legislature that did just that last year and will continue to do that. It, there is, there's just no, it's not even an escape of, it is the case that we will come to this place with varying perspectives. And you know, as well as I do, that American government is rooted in uh, lifting up the differences of perspective. And when we're doing our jobs well, those perspectives are aired and heard and considered. And the byproduct then is the result of that debate and that discussion. So Minnesotans should expect that we're going to debate and discuss and disagree. But they should also expect that we're not going to get stuck in gridlock. And instead, we're going to complete our work, um, which is about them and improving their lives. Uh, I think that is kind of telling and, and notable for our time right now. Um, but I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about or raise some of the own divide that emerged uh, over the last few months in your own caucus between caucus members on on global issues. Um, do those issues distract in in any way? And I say that in the context of with a one seat majority, uh, and frankly, after a session that the the caucus was amazingly unified, there are signs of fracture even within the caucus, um, and it's been a tough week, but. How do you how do you start to either heal those or or navigate that dynamic in your own caucus? I think if we look around us um, across Minnesota, across America, really across the world, uh, people are wrestling with their own uh, trauma, uh, their own uh, experiences and their perspectives on the war in the Middle East. And I have been in deep conversation with my colleagues. Uh, on this topic, uh, just last week, uh, on Sunday, in fact, I was at Mount Zion Temple in the district I represent with uh, the rabbi and members of that community who wanted to share with me uh, their fear and experiences with anti-Semitism. And while none of us in the state legislature have a role in um, diplomacy across the world, and we don't have a role in resolving a conflict and a war in the Middle East. We do have uh, the space as public leaders to uh, navigate and speak out against Islamophobia, speak out against anti-Semitism, and to make sure that people, uh, both inside our caucus, um, inside uh, our communities, but across the state, know that um, we're we're together experiencing something um, and that uh, we have to hold ourselves together through that. I think that's true for our caucus and I think that's true for Minnesotans. And I will continue you know, to engage in conversations with the people in the district I represented across the state um, to hear and in some cases uh, make sure that people know that um, the things that they're experiencing, like the group I met with last Sunday evening, uh, are on my mind, and I'm working with them uh, to make sure that um, they're not going to continue to experience anti-Semitism in the state of Minnesota. During 
any legislative session, but especially non-budget sessions, they're, uh, this is my term, shiny object issues. They get a lot of attention. The media covers them. We talk about them. They, they drive social media. They can be anything from sports betting, which full disclosure I'm working on, uh, on behalf of could be Uber driver issues. It could be cannabis fixes. It could be, uh, nurse staffing ratios. These are important issues, but, but they kind of, they get a lot of attention either because of the groups there, uh, that are driving them or the discussion that's having, or, you know, frankly, they're, they're just important or populist issues. Are any of those, how do any of those big priorities for you? What do you put kind of, you know, how much focus do you put on trying to solve any of those issues this session? You and I have uh, been around the block on this. And the thing that I have learned in my many, many years of serving in public office is that the way to move something through is to earn the support of Minnesotans. And so while there are, as uh, you have mentioned, shiny objects um, or issues that uh, attract a lot of attention in social media, it doesn't mean that they are uh, well vetted with the people of Minnesota. Uh, so I always try and keep myself centered on what what is it that we're trying to do? What problem are we trying to solve for the people of Minnesota? And when we're rooted there, we are able then to find a path forward uh, through that committee process to earn support uh, and votes. Uh, and I will, you know, continue to do that. I've, you know, I was a new, newly elected person back in 2007 and didn't fully appreciate uh, the time that it takes to actually move something from an idea uh, to passage. Uh, but this last session, this last session showed us that you can move work that was once considered uh, 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 an issue you couldn't touch, uh, restoring voting rights, uh, driver's licenses for all Minnesotans, um, that with time and conversation with Minnesotans, we can build support and understanding and make what seemed like an idea that no one would support to become something that had strong support and the support of Minnesotans in such a way that we could make it the law. My guest is Senate Majority Leader Erin Murphy. She was elected by her colleagues this week to be in that role after Senator Carrie Dietzik announced she would be step down, stepping down from that role. Uh, Sarah Murphy, as we continue to think about the session, um, there we'll have another economic forecast. Obviously, the surplus of last year has been spent. It's not a budget year. Um, what's your sense of kind of the fiscal state of the state and um, any concerns about kind of the future of of spending or, or other groups that have big spending requests this year in a non-budget year? I am really delighted to share that I think the state of the state's budget is strong. Uh, we are required by the Constitution to balance the budget, and we did. Um, the accounts that are our cushions, ready day accounts, et cetera, are replete and well-funded. Uh, we are uh, experiencing, uh, in many ways, when you look at economic measures, a strong economy. But I think it's also important to note that Minnesotans aren't necessarily experiencing that themselves. And that's where I like to keep my focus. I like to keep my focus on the daily lives of Minnesotans um, and to meet them there. And it is right for people to come to the Capitol to share with us, while you did great work on child care, it's still really expensive. While you've done great work on housing, um, there are still people living without shelter. Um, and that is a reminder for us that we still have work to do 
And we will do it within the frame of uh, what we're experiencing in a budget, because as I said, we are constitutionally required to balance the budget, which we have, and having lived through the Great Recession and seeing what that did to people's lives and to our state budget, uh, we're going to keep that budget balanced. It is, and it will be. Uh, kind of final question here. Um, you've been a majority leader before. You uh, know kind of the intensity of this session. What do you do for fun? What should people know about Senator Murphy outside of the politician? So I um, I come from a great big family. Um, I I love them. Uh, we have lots and lots of disagreements, but we were raised to be competitively funny. Um, and when I'm with them, I laugh a lot. Um, I love to walk. I like nature a great deal. So you can find me walking in a state park or in my neighborhood. Um, and I like company uh, when I head out for a walk. Um, I'm blessed with uh, dear friends. Uh, and as I said, uh, things that make me laugh really fill up my cup. Sounds great. Senator Murphy, I know we'll be talking down the line. Thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Thanks, Blaise Olson. When we come back, this week's take, the legislature starts tomorrow. What do they really need to focus on after these messages? This week's take is hopeful. On Friday, I moderated a couple panels related to long-term care. They're going to be podcasts as part of our caregiver conversation series for Leading Age Minnesota that we'll post this week. It'll be in the newsletter. But I also was struck by the two champions on long-term care last year that were recognized there. And we had a conversation and the two champions were Representative Mahmoud Noor of Minneapolis and Senator Jordan Rasmussen of Fergus Falls. Mahmoud Noor has worked in government and human services for most of his career. He's a serious legislator with a depth of knowledge on these issues and understanding that isn't always common on complex issues like long-term care and long-term care funding. Jordan Rasmussen is a former investment banker, returned to Fergus Falls. He's got a deep business background. And in the conversation, it struck me. The conversations like we were having or working together to solve issues isn't what gets highlighted very often in political dialogue, debate, and policy these days, but rather if it did, or it happened more often, or we knew about it more, it may soften the edges of the sharp and sometimes non-sustainable system we're in. Of course, we heard Senator Johnson take shots at Democratic spending, and we heard Senator Murphy talk about how great last session was. They're leaders, they have to stick to their talking points, and they believe in the principles of the issues that they advocate for. But that conversation between Representative Noor and Senator Rasmussen had way more in common about solving challenges in senior housing and senior care than it did differences. They both acknowledge workforce is a major issue. Paying people to take those jobs is important. They both acknowledge that there should be flexibility in the system. And if we have more seniors by 2030 than we have school-aged children that we probably need some sort of a plan. 
And the key is, is that plan dictated by the state or is that plan brought together with stakeholders and leaders from the industry and communities? And so I want to call that out as we go into session. The rural white senator and the urban black senator working together, Democrat and Republican, with very different constituencies and very different political parties, solving a problem that Minnesota needs to solve. Let's hope we see more of that this session. And when we see it, I promise to amplify it because it is important to amplify that when so much divisiveness gets amplified otherwise. That's your take this week. Watch the big game. Enjoy it. I'll be with Vanita tomorrow morning at 620 and every day through Thursday. And we'll have all the info that you need to know about the upcoming session at fluence-newsletters.com. Sign up for morning take or business take, lunch take, and we'll get it all to you and your inbox. Until next time, have a great week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.